Good to see you all. How are you? Ha- Happy New Year! <laughs> It is really good to see you. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Esther, and I'm one of the key leaders here at EBI. Um, so, here we are, a week into a new year. Um, what has it been like for you so far? All eight days of it. All right, bit of a mixed bag. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how you're feeling right now in this very moment. As you think about the year ahead, as you think about the year ahead for yourself, um, for your friends and family, for us as church, for this country, this world, maybe your response is a little bit like mine. It doesn't have a lot of words, but involves a bit of a wide-eyed, deep intake of breath and a very big sigh. You know, just that... Okay, here we go. And don't get me wrong, that's not necessarily um, reflecting an overwhelming sense of hopelessness in me. Not totally, anyway. But um, it's just that sometimes life is a lot, isn't it? So at the start of this year, on our uh, Sunday morning teaching series, we're going to have a look at a guy called Nehemiah, who we can find in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And so Nehemiah's life, his real life, is happening in amongst what has been a long, painful, and really messy time for his people. Nehemiah saw it, he felt it, and he went straight to God with it all. As he prayed, God gave him a vision. And so Nehemiah became the leader of a massive rebuilding project of walls and of a community of people. And uh, as we read Nehemiah's story, we see that prayer and vision are inseparable. And this is what we're going to be having a look at today as we read the first chapter of Nehemiah, prayer and vision. And uh, before we do that, though, and it's interesting, Derek, you had a little look back to September because I want us to have a little look back to September last year. Um, In September, we spent three weeks exploring foundations. And this was a word that we felt like God was saying to us, for us, as church together. And if you weren't around in September, you missed them, you would like a recap. Quite conveniently, all of those talks are online. So um, do have a watch and listen. But as we explored foundation, we talked about vision. And we talked about vision being something that we can pursue together. And something that maybe actually we need to do together because God speaks to all kinds of people in all kinds of ways. And as we explored this, we had a bit of a a healthy perspective check and a reminder that when we build, in all senses of that word, it's God who is doing the building. Jesus is the first and vital brick laid that all other bricks are built around And we are all bricks. Whether we feel like a brick or not, we are all important and needed as we build. And in January 2023, this stuff still stands. And it always will in that bigger picture, God truth kind of way. But foundations is still a specific word for us as Ebby Church at the start of this year. And it's something that we want to keep exploring. 
And also, back in September, um, I shared a verse from Isaiah 58 and a picture of Abbey Church, of this building that we are in right now. And um, there we go. Credit to Dania again. Um, and as we get to thinking about vision and prayer at the start of this year, I think it's uh, good to reflect back on this, to keep this in mind, maybe especially because we're here right now. So this is a picture that I had, um, and this is the front of the church building. And this is the verse. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And I'm just going to pray. Father God, thank you that you are speaking to us. Thank you that you are here with us. Thank you for your faithfulness, like we've just sung. Yeah, thank you that you speak to all kinds of people in all kinds of ways. And as we, um, yeah, explore your word this morning, um, yeah, God, I ask that you will do that. Amen. So let's get into Nehemiah, shall we? Um, got a little bit of history. Everyone loves a bit of history. Not really, but here you go anyway. Um, so this is a bit of context. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed and its people were taken captive into Babylon in 586 BC. And people started to gradually started to return 50 years later. And the temple in Jerusalem was built 20 years after that. The walls of Jerusalem, though, they were left in a mess for 70 years. And this meant that the people living there, they were defenseless and vulnerable, which wasn't ideal. Um, but it also said a lot about where the people themselves were at. Like the walls, they were, just weren't a priority. Nehemiah, meanwhile, uh, was still in Babylon, working as wine taster for the king, which is not as glamorous and fun as it sounds. Um, but despite having risk of death in the job description, it meant that Nehemiah carried a lot of responsibility and was relatively comfortable. So we're going to read the whole of Nehemiah chapter 1. Uh, if you'd like to follow along, there are some Bibles at the back. Grab your Bible on your phone. The words are also going to be on the wall behind me. So this is Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah's prayer. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great an awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. 
We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. So we're going to have a look through Nehemiah's prayer and see what we might learn. But we need to start by taking on verse 4, which I think is right up there with some of the most challenging words in the Bible. So are you ready to take them on? (laughs) Thank you. So this is verse 4, Nehemiah speaking. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Um, When I was preparing this, um, I just sat and read this verse over and over. And it got more challenging the more I read it. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah hears about the ruins of Jerusalem. He stops. He feels the pain. Then Nehemiah takes action, but not on his own, uh, not all in a rush to find the quick fix. He goes straight to God, and then he takes some time again. This isn't a chuck the problem at God and run kind of thing. It's a... Let's sit in it together, get serious, with an openness to wherever this might lead and a realisation that actually I'm now involved, kind of thing. And so as I I was reflecting on this verse, I was thinking about some bits of my real life from the last month and asking myself some tricky Nehemiah-related questions, which, to be honest had even trickier answers. Um, So in the context of this verse, I I thought of the times that I've read news reports about how women are being treated in Afghanistan and how when I read those reports, I felt like a heart-squeezing pain, but that I stopped from becoming overwhelming by shutting it down and just about managing to throw out a, oh, God kind of prayer and I also thought about walking through this very space on a Thursday afternoon full of people from my communities who need to come to food bank for emergency help and feeling like I just didn't know what to do with that in my head and I also thought about um, when we suddenly found out we weren't going to be able to meet on a Sunday at Orchard School And my immediate reaction to go into problem-solving mode 
and pointing the finger at anyone who would stop still long enough so it didn't reflect badly on me as a leader. Don't worry, I've moved on from there. <laughs> but my point is, like, it's very easy to say and to know even that when we're faced with pain, injustice, and the curveballs that life throws at us, we should always go to God first, to pray, maybe even fast a bit, to be more Nehemiah. But it's really hard. Uh, the great thing is that our faith and the relationship we can have with God, it's, it's not about feeling all the guilt about all the things we should have done but didn't. This isn't a kind of one miss prayer and you're out kind of thing. Like, yes, God wants to see more Nehemiah in us, but not just to tick boxes for doing the right thing. And I think God wants to see more Nehemiah in us because this kind of response, it's something like the life to the full that Jesus talks about and offers us. And it's about a relationship with a God who loves us so much that he sits and weeps with us. He hears our prayers and he takes us by the hand and asks, should we do something with this? So I don't know, I don't know what comes to your mind when you um, yeah, think about pain and injustice, maybe the curveballs of life that you've faced. Um, but yeah, just going to pause for a second. Um, maybe have a, a think about that. Remember, this is about a relationship with a God who loves us so much that he sits and weeps with us. He hears our prayer and he takes us by the hand and asks should we do something with this? And so practically, do need to move on. But I um, just want to encourage you to not rush away from that place. Um, yeah, it's an uncomfortable sit. But yeah, we can work that kind of stuff out together as well. We don't have to do it on our own. Um, so that's verse four. In the prayer that follows verse four, um, we see something of the relationship Nehemiah has with God. And I think there's some really good practical stuff for us in it. Um, and this definitely, it's not a formula of how to pray the best prayers and get what you want. Prayer doesn't work like that, unfortunately. But there are four things that we're going to pick out. So we're going to pick out God is awesome. This is me. Confession and get specific and get ready. So let's start with God is awesome because... That is what Nehemiah does. And so when we read Nehemiah's prayer, it's very clear that Nehemiah, he's talking directly to God in his prayer. And what I really like is that this, by its very nature, is personal. But at the same time, Nehemiah holds up the mind-blowing awesomeness of God. And I wonder if it's like he's keeping a reality check 
right, reminding himself on who he's talking to. All right, verse five starts with, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. Like it's crazy, isn't it? That we can talk to God who created everything, knows everything, sees everything, and is everywhere, just like God is your mate sat right next to you. Like, and we can, like we can be that familiar and personal, but that doesn't lessen any of the awesomeness of God. Um, again, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I can forget that. Like Nehemiah does both, and I think he does them pretty well. And I like that part of his prayer is reminding God that this is personal. And he's, he's like, this is me, Nehemiah, speaking to you, God. Like, will you listen to me? Do you see me, God? And we see this twice in uh, verse 6 and in verse 11. Um, and this is verse 6. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you. Like prayer is personal. Like prayer can feel like ripping yourself open and putting your heart on a plate before God. Prayer can use words that you'd never say out loud to another living soul. Prayer can be what you look like and smell like first thing in the morning. Hopefully you get what I mean. That makes sense in my head. <laughs> um, but when prayer is that personal, when it feels that personal, we need to know God's listening, that he sees us. And even though we know God is always listening and sees everything, I like that we're encouraged in Nehemiah's prayer to remind God to be doing that. It might seem a little bit cheeky and irreverent, but we see this, hey God, I'm here this is me, look at me, listen to me, kind of prayer, in so many other places throughout the Bible. Uh, maybe have a look and see what you can find. Um, Psalms are always a good place to start. So what happens when we collide with God in prayer? Well, it's not always comfortable, which makes total sense when you think about it. Is when we come face to face with a God who is awesome and holy, and we recognize that out loud, like Nehemiah does, and we draw the attention of this holy and awesome God to ourselves, like Nehemiah does, we can suddenly become aware of our ugly humanity, like Nehemiah does. Uh, confession isn't something we talk about much, is it? or not in this kind of uh, Nehemiah kind of way. Because Nehemiah's confession, it's not only a me thing, it's a we thing. Uh, this is what we read in verses 6 and 7. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. I don't know how you react to Nehemiah's words. Um, like it seems a bit bold in some ways to be expanding confession to include your family screw-ups, let alone the sins of all the people of Israel. 
part of me wants to ask Nehemiah, who, who do you think you are? Maybe have a little look at yourself before you uh, take on everyone else. But making confession an us thing, it's difficult and uncomfortable, but I think it's something that is good to take on and maybe something that we need to take on. Because we, and I mean we, and the bigger sense of that word, like we are responsible for a lot of hurt and pain in our world, like past and present, like way, way more than we want to admit. And we need to say sorry. Sorry to God, to people we've hurt, to each other, like for healing reconciliation and God inspired peace and wholeness for everyone like this is what we're called to do as Jesus followers isn't it and we do need to remember that this prayer that we get to read in verses 5 to 11 that it has context and the context of verse 4 like Nehemiah has spent days wrestling with distressing news, wrestling with his emotions, wrestling with God. And he's opened himself up to God. There's been a lot of back and forth that we don't see the detail of, but now, because of that wrestling, because of that time, like, Nehemiah is involved. Like, he's invested like he's immersed himself into 70 years of wool-related neglect and even taken himself all the way back to Moses. Like that is a lot. Like Nehemiah's, his corporate, his we kind of confessing comes from that place of painful and personal wrestling and ultimately from his intimate relationship with an awesome and holy God. Like it's not a token gesture it's not a, oh, rubbish, I need to say sorry before I can ask God for stuff. Like, it's deep, and it means something. Just something for us to have a think about, maybe. And so the last thing, we're going to end on a Nehemiah-inspired encouragement that as we pray, we get specific and we get ready. Uh, At the end of verse 11, Nehemiah says, Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. So all all the sitting, the crying, the mourning, the fasting, the praying with God have got Nehemiah to this point. In all of this time of crying, mourning, fasting, praying, a plan has been formed a vision shared. But what happens next is far from easy and straightforward. Like Nehemiah has to put his neck on the line, literally. Like he needs to speak to the king, explain why he's been looking so sad, and he needs to ask the king for some help. So he prays, and Nehemiah gets specific. He needs God to do something only he can do in a man who seems to hold all the power. So that's what Nehemiah asked God to do. And just kind of want to encourage us that it is good to be specific when we pray. Uh, Sometimes it's tempting to hedge your bets. 
like keep prayer vague to save ourselves from disappointment or so we can make anything that happens a positive answer. Hopefully it's not just me who does that. Someone say, no, it's me too. (laughs) No, I'm joking. Uh, But we don't need to play games with God. Like God is a give it to me straight. Let's get down to the nitty gritty kind of God. And we see this in Jesus. In Matthew 7, 7 to 8, Jesus tells us to ask, to search, and to keep banging on that door with everything we've got. My words, not Jesus. Probably said something like that. Um, Finally, uh, when we pray, we need to be ready. Ready to respond, to move, and to go. Ready to be a part of the answers to the stuff that we lay out before God. And over the next few weeks, we're going to see how that pans out for Nehemiah. Um, I've just got some questions um, for us to have a think on, to talk with God about and pray into together. Rebecca. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so yeah just some questions to have a think about not necessarily or don't take them all on right now because that will be bonkers but um, yeah so where is God placing us as individuals and a church in the year ahead what's God's vision what's the next step what are our specific prayers and They're all big ones, but a big one. Is it possible that God is asking us to be a part of his response to those prayers? As I said at the start, we need to be doing this thing together. And that is a general rule, I think. Um, But yeah, particularly at the start of this year and all the stuff that Derek has shared with where we're at and asking like these questions are really specific for now and that's for us as church that's there's all our stuff as well (laughs) you know all the people we care about the stuff in the world um but yeah we need to do this together so we have um communion that we are going to share together and just like in that the question of what's the next step um, for me right now it feels like a, I just need to get close to Jesus and just uh, it feels like sharing communion together as church family is a great place to do that because as we share communion as we take bread and juice like we yeah, we remember who Jesus is and that we can get close to Jesus because of his death and resurrection and all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, we have a couple of tables here. Is there one at the back? Yeah, there's one at the back. Um, and yeah, if, um, if you don't want to get involved in this, it's absolutely fine. Please feel totally free to um, sit here and absorb what is going on. Um, But yeah, 
Jesus' welcome is for everyone. So please, um, yeah, do get involved if you'd like to. Um, I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, yeah, will you, will you come, will you fill us, will you fill this building? Will you help us to, to see Jesus? Will you give us courage to take a step closer to Jesus? Yeah, Jesus, thank you that, yeah, when we read about your life, when we read about your death and resurrection, we see the relationship that you had with your father that was, yeah, personal and intimate, um, acknowledging the holiness and awesomeness of God and, um, yeah, all this stuff that we've talked about this morning. Yeah, and I pray that as we share communion that, yeah, we will know that this kind of relationship with you is possible for every single one of us here. Yeah, I pray that we will know you, see you, feel you, hear you, that we will, um, yeah, know you sat alongside us right now. And Lord, yeah, will you teach us to pray? We know that prayer has to be the foundation of everything we are, everything that we do, but we're rubbish at it sometimes. And we need your help. And thank you that, yeah, you... Your response is, come on then, let's do it. Yeah, will you um, give us ears to listen to you, Jesus, and hearts that are responsive to you, whatever that might mean and look for us right now. Amen.